0: the dynamite. You know what this one is right here. I've been waiting for this one. It's our friends over at the Grindline podcast and we got Greg on with us fired up for it. Greg, how's the night treating you? Oh, it's a long one, guys.
1: Uh thanks for having me on. Uh I love uh, I love getting on with other fan bases talking hockey, especially ones within the division that have a lot on the line same as we do right now. And uh yeah, no, we're not going to kill each other tonight because that's not <laughs> what we're about um but no i'm i'm excited to talk some hockey i need to get myself a sweet screen printing t-shirt intro
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah so i mean uh, the guy who made my shirts made that video just as something to throw up as an advertisement And nice. i was like man that's a sick podcast intro throw a little music over it and away you go i like it i'm a fan yeah. it, it, <laughs> hey, it fits the east coast vibes, that's for sure Maybe i can get him to print my shirts hey man i'll send you the link he's always up for business good guy man it's a local little small business too so always like pumping them up shout out to hfx prince man my god joey over there absolutely Um, all right so let's ask the question how'd you start the grind line where'd the grind line come from get it out there let me know
1: Yeah, man. Uh, We started as a blog and a podcast called Wing Octopus. Um, The blog dropped because it's really hard to keep writers when you can't afford to pay them um, (laughs) because you're not really making any money. Uh, I think we're on year seven now. We rebranded to the grind line a while back. um, And we just keep rolling, man. I mean, we're like 12 percent month over month growth. Um, We got a huge, passionate fan base. We're out at the games. We're at the home opener. We're out in the community. Uh, repping businesses, talking hockey. It's, it's been a blast. It continues to be a blast. Um, But I mean, we wouldn't be where we are without our, the interaction of the community, the interaction of the fan base and just the people we've met along the way. So it's been, it's been a while uh, that we've been doing it, but it's every step
0: of the way has been fun. That's the best way to be, man. Especially when you can talk about your favorite team and really just hype up other people and then people join in, you meet people along the way, like you said, that are either in the business or around the team and, it adds credence to what you're saying when you hear the comments like, oh, yeah, you know, that's a good question. Or, hey, you know what you're talking about here. It really makes you feel better about things. But uh, one thing that we were talking about today and you brought up that we should bring up on the show is a uh, fan base bravado. And uh, I-, I talk about this one because I, uh, I saw the comment from one person talking about uh, Ottawa. And uh, I go and say, you know what? Ottawa takes the cake. The reason why I say that. I'll agree again, right now. I'll say at the beginning of the season, the Ottawa Senator fans and their fan base were telling Leaf fans that their top six was better, that everything about their team was better, and everything in the Leafs were going to be in the basement and they didn't know what they were doing, et cetera, et cetera. And we hear it every single year. So yep. when people were chirping the Red Wings, and by the way, you can ask Dylan, yep. I picked the Red Wings in a bet to make the playoffs last year. That's how much I wanted them to win and get in the playoffs. I thought they had the pieces last year. So I'm not a hater on the Red Wings, but uh, I will say uh, Sense fans take the cake when it comes to that Conor McGregor walking bravado. That's what they are in, in my eyes right now because they really talked a whole lot and didn't back it up at all.
2: Well, the team doesn't back it up, especially right now. So uh, I'll, just, I'll just burn that one into uh, Sense fans a little bit. Um, but – Let's let's talk about your hot start in, in Red Wings Nation. Um, well, I let think him talk about
0: the fan bravado first. Oh, okay, you
1: not even get the well, drop, okay. So I'll agree. I'll agree with you about Sens fans now because they have no reason to be cocky. That That's was true. the whole thing. They were cocky without a reason to be cocky, and only it was because. And we said at the beginning of last season when uh, all the analysts are like the Sens are a force, they're going to be dangerous this season, they're a <laughs> playoff lock, and I'm like, there's no way. We said it from the beginning. You can even go back and listen to the podcast from last offseason. Like, there's no way. I'm like, if there's one team that's being overhyped, it's the Sens. And then you go into this season, and it's the same, same. thing. And it's only because they have Stutzla and Kachuk, and Norris was still out to start the season. He comes back okay. And then the team, Tarasenko, they get ready to bring it, and they're like, we never needed him anyway. He's garbage. And he yeah. comes here and immediately is destroying things. Um, but it's the, it's the cockiness with no history or reason to be cocky. You've never won a Stanley Cup. Um, You've been to the playoffs how many times. You're in an eternal rebuild, but you have like the world's cockiest fans for no reason. So I agree. I was on a Senators podcast um, this season, and they were great guys because, like I said, podcasts. uh, us who do podcasts generally try to calm it down a little bit and have more realistic expectations. Um, But unfortunately, anyone with a cell phone can download Twitter. Um, or with a computer can go to the website and just say whatever they feel like. So I agree. Um, Sens fans will, they've taken over the reins from Habs fans this season, basically.
2: Yeah, because I think the Habs fans are kind of humbled at the fact that they know that there should be shit. And and, and the fact that they want to be crap so that they can build a good team. And and Ottawa has built a decent potential team, in a sense. I, I think my biggest thing was They all thought their defense was outstanding, and it was like, you guys have one, maybe two guys, and that's it. And you got a big, big hole, and it it speaks for itself. Uh, Their goalies have struggled.
1: (laughs) Well, that was what we said at the beginning, too. It's A lot of it was going to come down to how's your goaltending going to perform? What version of Corpy are you going to get on a night-to-night basis? That's
0: it right there. They
1: were... Very, very strong, and we've got amazing goaltending. And if you looked at Corpus Allo stats, and I go, Yeah, but if you looked at Corpusalo on a game to game basis, it's a whole different when you're looking at a season and you're looking at a game to game. So Ottawa, um, and with all their other issues that are going on right now that are absolutely affecting that locker room, even though they say it won't. Um it's it's a another bad situation for them, but when we beat them this season. I think we earned ourselves a, a, a period of silence until we play them here uh, in Sweden coming up. So we'll see what happens. But uh, they can't really chirp us very hard right now because we beat the brakes off of them. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that, we'll leave Sens fans alone for now. They got enough dark clouds and things going over them. And also watching the cat do what he does over in Detroit probably is another stick in their craw as well. But um, the hot start, like Dylan said, for the Detroit Red Wings came out the gates. Guns are blazing and now looking like a team that may actually do some good things here and make some noise in the Atlantic Division. Obviously, 8-5-2, and two, just like our Maple Leafs. Um, what say you of the Detroit Red Wings start and the consistency going forward? It wasn't just a shot out of the gate and then the shutdown that some teams suffer. It seems like they found a little bit of stride here.
1: Yeah, I would say that... Um... The hot start was because they came out of the gate, firing on all cylinders, instant chemistry between Larkin and Debrinket. They love playing together. It's very, um, very evident that they do. Um, We were initially getting a lot of depth scoring, which was a a thing that we had missed last season. If the top line wasn't scoring, no one was. Um, What we've kind of fallen into recently after that hot start, and it goes back and forth, is taking the first period off. And I joked earlier saying that maybe they're just trying to see how far of a hole they can dig themselves out of just to see how how resilient of a roster they have. Um, But it's been several games. I take the Rangers game was our worst game of the season a few games ago. And um, they didn't play hockey for a period and a half. It was slow. It was sluggish. Um, But the hot start, if they could play the way they played those first six, seven games... If they could play that way consistently going forward they're absolutely a playoff team you saw them beat the boston bruins give the boston bruins their first regulation loss by matching the intensity of the bruins and that's what they were doing they were matching the intensity or exceeding it they were playing to the team or above the team they were playing against but when they take that first period off sure they may have the talent to come back but they shouldn't be putting themselves in that position in the first place. So yeah, I would say that the hot start was, was based a lot on consistency, a lot on depth, guys knowing where they need to be and when they need to be there. And then, of course, that that chemistry with Larkin and Debrink, it was, was huge for the start that we got off to.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I, I think that top line kind of speaks for itself. And um, I know that last year, Raymond had kind of a, a slumpish year. And, and I, I don't know if he got injured last year or the year before, but um, There's a lot of high expectations on him being, I think, what, the fifth overall pick, fourth overall pick in, in 2020. Um, with somebody like DeBrincat coming in, um, what do you see this doing for Lucas Raymond as a whole and, I guess, even as a career as a whole?
1: Yeah, we saw Raymond. Um, our expectations—I'm not sure it was an expectation—but we said if if Raymond ups his game and and people will call it a slump and and you said slump-ish, which I think is the correct word for it because he wasn't bad last season. No, uh, he he had over—I believe he had like 48 points somewhere. 45 points. It says 45 yeah. points. Yeah. Um, so he, which for a second year guy a sophomore slump ish is yeah. still good. Yeah. Um, uh, but what we said at the beginning of this season is we think Larkin are not Larkin, but with the help of Larkin and to bring it, we think Luke Sramon could be a 70 point player if he Absolutely. can get 30 goals, 40 assists. And as a 70 point guy, um, and he's got 11 and 15 right now. Yeah. And he put on 12, I think he said 12 pounds of muscle. Uh, And you can see it. (laughs) You can see it for a guy who's not the tallest, um, but's knocking guys into benches, going into corners, retrieving pucks. Um, If you saw his last goal, which was all over the place, where he kind of faked out behind the net and then brought it back in for just a um, a loop around, it's stuff like that that he's got incredible vision. He's more of a playmaker first, um, but he is finding that scoring talent. We said for Raymond to bounce back and um, do in year three what he probably could have done in year two. He needed that support around him. And you're seeing that with Cat. Dylan Larkin has never had a winger like Alex Dobrinkit in his career. He's done a lot with what he's been given. But you look at that line, and if if Raymond can be a 70-point guy, and you think Larkin right now, he's kind of hurt, so he's been a little slower lately, and we're hoping that this break gives him some time off to heal – um, but if he could be a 90 point guy and if you bring Alex to bring it back up to his 40 goals, maybe 35, 40 goals, you've got a really solid top line. And Lucas Raymond is only helping fuel that. And it's, it's yeah. been fantastic to watch.
2: Yeah, no, I'm I'm heavy in into the card market, I like sports cards and, and hockey is obviously my number one thing. And, and I saw a lot of a lot of eyes dipped and turn their head away from Raymond. And I'm like, I'm going to take advantage of this. He's I an original up. six team. And he looks like he could be the future of the team. So um I, I am not shy to look at talent and see it, especially in the card market. Um, So yeah, I, I praise him for showing up when it means most, especially for uh, an original six team.
1: I mess around with cards a little bit. I broke two uh, Quentin Byfield Young Guns that I'm holding on to right now because he's heating up. Yeah, he is. Uh, and I got my Moe Cider Young Guns pretty cheap, uh, and that one should go up, too. So I had a little bit of sports cards. I do more trading cards and other cards, but I do a little yeah. bit into sports cards.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So I want to ask you, then, we're talking about some things that are clicking. For you, what is the biggest difference here? We're talking def scoring, you said, was something that was good. I look at the uh, the power play and stuff like that, too. It's starting to click at a better clip as well. Obviously, to Cat helps fuel that. Lucas Raymond being healthy and fully ready to go. But what is the biggest difference for you this season for the Wings, man? I mean, what, what's coming along here that's giving them this confidence and this boost?
1: I think it's just building the whole lineup. Um, you went. I think what Iserman did in this past offseason was he went out and he looked at how Vegas was built. <clears throat> And if you you look at Vegas and you can argue maybe and, and he's got we've got shafted historically in the lottery. We don't have a number one overall pick. We don't have this superstar. But I could argue that unless you consider Jack Eichel a superstar, that Vegas really does doesn't have a superstar either. Um, they did it with depth when you got a guy like Jonathan March or so, who's like your top scorer. That yep. is um, that's depth. So you got guys up and down the lineup that can score. But I think. Iserman also built in a lot more defense in this team. Yep. Um, so that's a thing. You got guys on every line who who can chip in scoring, whether uh, it's Clem Costin, who's been playing on the fourth. You pick up a guy like Daniel Sprong, who was a hot goal scorer in Seattle. Uh, he's shown the offense. He loves to fire the puck. You pick up a Shane bear who brings that offense to the blue line. And you picked up guys who are responsible defensively up and down the lineup, too, where You don't have any what I would consider black hole lines. And that was part of you look at Buffalo right now. Buffalo is what I consider a a glass cannon. If they're not outscoring you by bunches, they're going to lose because their forwards don't play defense well. There you go. I think that's that's what that's the big difference here that that Iserman tried to do is along with that depth scoring to pick up guys who are responsible defensively to put them up and down the lineup.
2: My biggest. my, my biggest thing is um you have a goalie tandem that is complementing each other and and we know Reimer from his Toronto days and and he's been a reliable backup um as I can see in in uh Detroit right now. Better than and, Huso, Yeah. I and mean, it, it probably means
0: a lot. When Reimer time gets time. rolling too, he's a goaltender that really can go on a roll roll, right? So And that might allow your other goaltender, like Billy Husso, to kind of find his game and find himself and not have to be shell-shocked back between the pipes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, I I think that means a lot to you guys, especially with with a 180 goals against average. And and he has two wins, two losses, but uh, having that confidence in, in a backup means a lot, especially even to push the number one goalie.
1: Well, they also picked up an extra, two, So we've got Alex Lyon sitting there yeah. doing nothing right now. Uh, so I think what's going to happen, Billy Huso's cooled off a bit. Um, it seems like recently he's consistently let in three or more goals per game. And I think you'll probably see Reimer get um, a few more starts here going forward uh, with Alex Lyon as a backup, just to give Huso a little bit of breathing room. I think you also might see Alex Lyon get a couple starts because he looked good in preseason. Um, yep. and there are teams that want goalies. I mean, Carolina sounds like they want a goalie. Um, teams are going to start looking that, um, and I don't think Tampa's really solved their issue yet either with Vassie still being out and shaky. I did see Vassie on the ice that was That was scary <laughs> to
0: see Vassie on the ice today. Yeah. Now, are we going, the, the, the
1: issue there though is no goalie comes back a hundred percent from injury game yeah. one. So they're probably going to want a little bit of insurance, but uh, the Red Wings were smart to carry three goalies into the season. Uh, They're able to make a trade uh, and not lose a, not lose a step there or have to call anyone and mess up their minor league teams.
0: Yeah. I look at Detroit and say, you you might be sitting pretty here. If you can get Billy Huso going and James Reimer going, you got Alex Lyon for a trade trip. You might be able to bring in somebody else onto your team. And someone you did bring in was Mr. Alex to And you know, Larkin and him have clicked. We talked about it. We we flirted with the topic here a couple of times. So I want to get your opinion on it. Obviously, these two guys have really been rolling since he's come to the team, looking great, on fire. Is this everything you expected it to be? And is it sustainable?
2: It's the Michigan connection.
0: It is.
1: It is. And I there was I thought there might be a little bit of psychology behind that. Um, I just picked up a lot of Michigan guys, and it's maybe it's a comfortability of playing at home maybe it's a familiarity of of the area or having your family your family near your family like bringing his wife and his he's got a baby yep. near the grandparents and everything you're just a little more comfortable in the space um it is it, it is what we had hoped it would be i'm not going to say it's more than what we thought it was going to be because you look at his season he didn't want to be in ottawa Um, He was pushed down to the second line, which I don't think should have happened. Um, But you bring him here, you put him in the situation that he should be in, playing with uh, Dylan Larkin, and he took off red hot, cooled down a little bit, just scored this past game, though. So, I mean, I'm I'm not worried about his ability going forward because we've seen what he can do. Um, Just, I didn't watch him on a nightly basis like I am now. And what you notice when you consistently watch – Alex Dabrinkit is his ability to find open ice with zero coverage. Uh, super elusive, super sneaky. Uh, people were worried about his defense. Not at all. Uh, he'll go to the corner. Um, he's stripping guys of pucks. He he made that a priority from the beginning in a press conference. He said he knows he needs to be a little bit better defensively. He's done that. Uh, so it's what we, I guess it's what we hoped we would get in a Dabrinkit. He is fulfilling our hopes. Currently, and you can see <laughs> that uh, he's also sparked Dylan Larkin. Not that Larkin was by any means a bad player before, because uh, we always have to argue with people that Larkin's actually a legitimate one C in the league. Yeah. Like he's yeah. one of the best two-way defensemen in the league and are two-way centers in the league. But Dylan Larkin and Alex DeBrincat just complement each other, and I think they they build each other up to that next level, which has been awesome.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think he even had to prove it to Iserman when he had the contract talk. Oh, so, yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: <laughs> that, does, that does mean a lot, obviously.
0: So I want to ask about the Debrinkat trade now that we talked about the fact he's on the squad. The deal that went down was Kubelik, Sabrango, and the conditional 2024 first-round pick and a fourth-rounder. Were you okay with what Detroit gave up to get Alex Debrinkat? And I know a lot of Ottawa fans felt fleeced that they didn't get more because of what they gave up to get to bring cat. So were you smiling that day? Or did you say, hey, this may still be a wait and see kind of thing?
1: No, I mean, I wore the shirt, uh, the I traded with Steve Iserman and all I got was this lousy t-shirt and a fourth round pick. Um, That's every single Steve, most Steve Iserman trades are that way. And I think that I was surprised that's all we had to give up because the condition on the pick is we can slide it. That's the yeah. other half of it. So it's like that Boston pick. Uh, we can slide that pick. So it's... I, I was not surprised by what we gave up. I was surprised that it wasn't a higher level prospect than Donovan Sabrango, which
0: hmm.
1: probably if he makes the NHL pans out as a bottom pair guy. Um, Kubalik, you're just... They were trying to recoup some scoring for the scoring that they were going to lose in Alex to and Kubi really doesn't play much defense. He's a streaky goal scorer. He's a good middle six third line guy is what he should be on a lot of teams. Yep. Uh, he was playing above his ability in Detroit because he was playing up higher. He was slotting in the top six. um, So he was benefiting from guys like Dylan Larkin a hundred percent a win for the Red Wings. I don't think, yep. and they were kind of forced into it. So I don't really blame uh, Dorian that much because Debrink it's like I'm out of here just yeah, exactly. trade me and Detroit is where I would like to go so when a player does that you really your hands are tied but I think he probably
0: still could have gotten a little bit more than what he did Absolutely. yeah I mean yeah. like you said he recouped some things though you do get Kubelik who on the sends if he's played I always talk about this if a guy's played in the right spot you'll get the most out of him I look at Cali Yarncroke in Toronto Same thing, third line. You get more production out of him than if you stick him up with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner where he's outmatched. So it's the same kind of situation there at Cuba League. You keep him down. He'll be able to produce a little bit for you, chip in here and there. But he's absolutely no Alex to bring cat. So we got the Leafs and Wings game this weekend. And we get you guys after you have already played on a back-to-back in Sweden. So We get a little bit of that Sweden love, a little bit of home cooking there. Um, I want to know what you think here, though, with the Toronto Maple Leafs and obviously the Detroit Red Wings. It always seems to turn in lately to a goal scoring fest. So, I mean, I wouldn't mind it over in Sweden. It'd be fun to see Willie pop off, the cat pop off, you know, goalies getting scored on left, right and center and have a 7-8 game or something like that. But what do you honestly see between these two teams that are locked neck and neck right now in the Atlantic Division?
1: I just want to see a Lucas Raymond hat trick, man. I don't think anything would make that kid happier than a hat trick at home. Um, yeah. But no, I, I think you're right. Um, both of us have had periods of shaky goaltending, um, which is killed a lot of games uh, more than, more than it hasn't uh, defensive play. I mean, we've both had defensive issues as well. Uh, you've lost defenseman, which sucks like Lilgren going down is, is terrible for you guys, but Tim and I think that Gabe. yeah, I think that again, though, like like you said, it, it could be a shootout toward the end, and we've both got decent. I mean, you've got your really high power forwards, and we've got, like I said, we've got the depth plus a, a pretty dangerous top line. So I think we even out pretty well right now. Um, as far as your forward group will beat our forward group generally on a, like your top six will beat yep. our top six. Um, I think we might have a better bottom six because of the depth that's there.
0: Our Um, third line, though, is starting to show a little bit of chem. So I'm liking that. Not to say that it's going to usurp anything you guys got going on. No,
1: no. I think that's But I mean. You look at us and, I mean, Joe Valeno popped off pretty well this season so far, which has been a a huge plus for us. Um, Clem Costin's out there just kicking people's asses. But you guys got uh, Ryan Reeves to go out there and kick people's asses, I guess.
0: Uh, (laughs) It's Mark Dano's job now.
1: (laughs) But I think defensively, I think it'll be a a game where if each defense shows up, um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. And and for as much as the fan bases like to go back and forth, um, like you said, we're neck and neck right now. And performances have been eerily similar back and forth. (laughs) Yes. some good, some bad, some good, some bad. And we're going back and forth like that. And if we do it all season, I mean, we could end up being neck and neck there. Uh, but you guys got, uh, I, I think that it's when the when the Leafs play the Wings, it's always a high energy game because yeah. it's an original six game. It's a natural rivalry. It has been forever. And we always have a good time with it. So um, I expect, especially since they're over there in Sweden, it to be a, a high energy, high impact game. Um, but also a lot of fun because, you know, they're out there just to have fun in, in the in these global series things. It's just the time that they play sucks. <laughs> it's like it luckily I work from home and I sit in front of a TV and I can watch it. But for a lot of people, they're going to be at work. They're going to have to record it, which sucks.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't record
2: games. games. I'll just watch the five minute highlight and I'll celebrate what just... While on the and toilet. in the
1: U.S. here, it's not on ESPN Plus, so that's oh. the other like huge downfall. Is it's on our local channels, so if you watch it on Bally, you'll get it. Um, but it's also on NHL Network, and when yeah. a game is on NHL Network, they do not put it on ESPN Plus. So a bunch of people who watch that way are also going to miss it unless they sail the high seas.
0: A lot of people will sail the high seas. I Me, mean, hey man, absolutely. I would love to go over there and see a game in Sweden. The atmosphere would be absolutely oh, yeah. awesome. But uh, I, I look at this game on the weekend and I say, here's how Detroit will win. Detroit, if they can get on the power play, they will torch the Leafs. The Leafs' penalty kill is absolute hot mess garbage. And that's how I think Detroit will beat Toronto. Hands down, you look at what happened with Vancouver. They took two instigator penalties and Vancouver torched them both times. Just couldn't keep the mo going all night long. But a team like Detroit, it could be a problem. And I could see the Leafs trying to target Justin Hall a little bit. You know, obviously knowing what they know about him. He's been him. solid.
1: He's been solid know. for as much you know. as much crap as people had given us about Justin Hole and how awful he was going to be. He's probably been our third or fourth best defenseman so
0: far. Yeah, Greg, I will constant. tell you this: one thing you will learn and you will come to know about Justin Hall once he gets comfortable and the honeymoon period is over. <laughs> you will learn the five-minute muffin. And he's famous for it. It's usually the last five minutes of the game. He'll look like he's going to clear the puck strong. He'll lay a muffin right up along, and someone will gobble it up and come down and score. It happened so many times over the past couple of seasons. Trust me, I want to like Justin Hall because he's great with the stick. He's great at preventing zone entries, but that five-minute muffin can ruin an entire – he could have a hat trick, and it would ruin that game for me. We've got Jeff Petrie to do that
1: right now, okay? We don't need Justin Hole to do it. Luckily, like, we've been playing... I think Justin Hole's sweet spot is you play him 16 minutes a night and he's fine. 16, 17 minutes a night. Um, You get him over that, you maybe overextend him a little bit. Maybe he was just too tired in the last five minutes of the game. (laughs) We've got Jeff Petrie to now just stand there and not do anything for the last five minutes. Or Ben Schrott to blow an assignment and a tire and just let... walk right by him and score a goal. So, I mean, we've got other guys that are fully capable. Now, if you ask me how Toronto beats us, um, we lapse our first 20 minutes of the game, which is we've been famous for doing the past five. Um, We don't play hockey for 20 minutes. Uh, And then we fail as uh, our goalie fails, falls on his face, lets in soft goals. We saw Reimer have one go off the tip of his glove. Um, over himself and off his back uh, to the point where we were calling for him to, he needs a new glove. Villy uh, <laughs> Huso cannot seal the post, uh, keeps letting him go by his feet at the post. And it is awful. Um, that are five hole. So it's soft goals by goalies. Goalies not showing up on time. The team not showing up on time. Uh, I think that's how I love them. how the Leafs would beat us.
0: All right. So we need a strong first period. And then to the stay the hell out of the box. Our, I don't think
2: our first periods have been strong. Have they changed?
0: We'll be no, they... garbage hockey for
1: 20 minutes. It'll be the world's most boring first period of hockey. And then, second like, period, boom, six goals each
0: team. Let's go.
2: Like that Tampa game, I, it just sits in my head of four straight goals. And I'm just like, no,
0: I can't listen. They this. came back and won, and that's all that matters.
2: I know that does all that matters, but that. Damn Sammy, I felt bad for him letting in those four goals.
1: <laughs> so what's the score going in? Uh we're just gonna take it to a 13-13 overtime like shootout. Is that what we're doing? Wow. Horrible
0: defense and horrible goaltending. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I will say uh, I'll give it the old hockey score. I'll say four two Maple Leafs. I'll say four three All right.
1: Maple Leafs. All right. Well then I'll say, I'll split the difference. I'll say, uh, let's go three to two wings,
0: three to two wings. Are we going OT shootout extra? I hockey love OT. So I had us right
1: coming. Up. We took a, uh, we took a survey today on, um, how many points people thought we would come out of this road trip with. And I think everyone landed uh, on three. So split a game. And then, so if we, if we went to OT and took a point and you guys won, you would, bump us up in the stand you'd go up to third place in the standings we would drop to fourth um but i think we beat ottawa so we'll see how this how this weekend shakes out but then it also depends on how you guys are going to do against the wild so and they're, i mean they're a little shaky too
0: Yeah, the the wild have not uh from what i understand caprizov isn't 100 percent um so they they got a lot of guys that are not going 100 tilt so Maybe no, they're a boat with ahead. a lot of holes in it right now. Yes. Yeah, well, you know what? Maybe some uh, going over to Sweden is the uh, the ticket for everyone. And maybe the teams that are floundering, Ottawa and Minnesota, pick her up. And I think it's the rest,
1: man. It's the rest that they're going to get before the games. That's what it is. I mean, the Red Wings have, what, four days off, five days off? So it's big. I mean, they'll play until Thursday. and We just played a couple days ago. So they got a huge gap. It's, I think it's enough time for the guys to rest up have a little fun out in Sweden before they hit the ice. And, and I think they come out of uh, the little break a little bit more refreshed. So you might see a little bit high energy games uh, going forward from this
0: point, I'd at like least for the say, next little stretch. I, I The Leafs have four games in the next 12 days. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that sucks. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. You're sitting waiting. They come back from Sweden. They don't play again until that Friday at the tail end of the week after they get back. So it's like, the league gave them all, all the time in the world to travel, heal, and have fun.
1: Yeah, hopefully they uh, they take advantage of that. Either that or they get a little bit too rusty and a little bit too relaxed.
0: That's uh, been the Leafs calling card too many times. Well, Greg, man, I want to thank you very much for jumping on. We talked today, got her done. Um, I appreciate it. Everyone go check out the Grindline podcast. I know you probably already have. These guys are out there talking to everybody. But I super appreciate you jumping on, man
1: yeah guys thanks for having uh thanks for having me on it's fun i'll hop on let me know i'm free to hop on we're gonna have many more matchups this season if we go uh tight this tight towards the end uh we're gonna be talking probably a lot more um but yeah thanks for having me on guys
0: no Uh, definitely well ladies and gentlemen you know what it is right here this is offside hockey talk with the maple leafs and sometime the red wings come to talk